Let's turn to Book of Matthew, Chapter Twenty-Four. Book of Matthew, Chapter Twenty-Four, Verse Thirty-Two. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. As you know very well, my responsibility in the morning is the imminent return of our Lord. I cannot find any other better verse than the one than the one I have just read. About the imminent return of our Lord, especially for those who have been born after 1948, and especially for those some of us have seen those great events happen during that year. And according to our Lord, He is at the doors. We do not know which door He is at. Maybe the entrance. Maybe the next one, second one, or the one very close, very near to our living room. Bible didn't say that. The Lord didn't spell that out, because the Lord said, "Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only." But even so, we know that the Lord indeed is coming back. Very soon. Now, yesterday we mentioned that the fig tree in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, always referred to the nation of Israel. So, 1948, May 14, that was a break news, really surprised the whole world. The nation of Israel after. Nearly two thousand years' disappearance from this planet, finally, was reborn. So this rebirth of nation of Israel actually is considered as a signal. It's almost like alarm clock to wake us up. And do not forget, these words were uttered by the greatest prophet. In the whole universe, in history, by our Lord, our Master Himself. Now, you may have some questions about the prophecy uttered by Jonah, or by any other prophets, but no one should have a slight doubt about what our Lord has said. Our Lord Himself, He tells us what is going to happen. When the Lord says, "Surely I'm quickly, I come, I'm not coming quickly," because He already told us from His own word, and、uh, so we are pretty sure, based on the sure word of prophecy, especially given by our Lord, we know that our Lord is really coming back very soon. But let us go to a little bit deeper about the fig tree. Now, if we study carefully the Old Testament, you go through the all fig trees, and then we want to find out what 
does victory represent? Of course, our first thought is the nation of Israel. But strictly speaking, if we really go deeper, the victory actually represents four things. The nation, the land, the city, and the temple. So the Bible used victory to represent the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, the city of Israel, and the temple of Israel. So if this is the case, when we try to understand this prophecy, then you discover when you see uh, the, 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 the branches of a fig tree already become tender and push for leaves. It, did not, it does not refer to one single event, no. It refers to a whole series of events. Thank the Lord. The all-star from 1948, the rebirth of nation of Israel. It is a miracle, brothers and sisters. Some people consider it a political accident. Even some people believe that that's a political maneuvering by those Christian, so-called Christian Zionists. Then somehow they make things happen. If you really know the history very well, that's not true at all. It's impossible. It must be a miracle for that to happen. I don't think any superpower in this world, even the so-called, uh, so, uh, even at that time, the only superpower was the British Empire, which has been considered that the empire, you never see sun setting. But brother, sister, you gather all the force, you gather all the energy, you gather all the power of this world, you never produce such a miracle. Remember, brothers, according to political science, no nation should be revived after being disappeared from this planet more than 500 years. It's impossible. So no matter how you read your history, we must remember that's what is our Lord, Lord doing because we know that according to the prophecy of our Lord, that day shall come. And when that day come, then you know that we are able, now our Lord is at the door. Now you, we are come to that period, you can do that counting down. We know that the Lord definitely is much, much clear. It's very, very near even than 50 years ago. So brothers and sisters, we definitely are in the end of the end days. So I think if you read the Bible well, you know that it is the sure word of prophecy to strengthen our faith. The Lord is indeed coming back soon. But the fig tree also refers to the land of Israel. So in other words, it is a promise of our God to promise his earthly people one day even still during the time of their unfaith, uh, even, even, the, even still in their time of not belief, the Lord, because his covenant with Abraham, he really brings them back to their own land. So that's why we do see the two types of homecoming. One, 
in 1950s, another one in another one in uh, another one uh, in uh, in 19 uh, another one in 1990s. Now I think we all see, we, that's so that's an, that's another fulfillment of the the word of God. In other words. If it's only the rebirth of nation of Israel, then this nation should be able to be born everywhere. Actually, in the thought of their founding father, they were even thinking about to rebuild their nation, even Argentina. And later, British government thought it's too much, such a problem, so they suggested why not try to do it in Uganda. But according to the word, not Uganda, nor in Argentina, they had to come back to their homeland. So in 1950s, probably many people from all over, many people of Israel, uh, many Jews came back from almost hundreds and six nations, as far as New Zealand, brothers, as far as China. If you today, you visit a Chinese restaurant in Tel Aviv, most likely you don't have to ask them, now, what's your name? Most likely their name is Chow. Why? Because these people, they really came back, some, some of them really came back from, uh, they, they really came back from China. So here we see, not the, the when, uh, here we see that when uh, the, 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 the fig tree, when the branches has already become tender and puts forth leaves, this not only being fulfilled just by the rebirth of the nation of Israel, also by their homecoming. Now, especially in 1990s, even, think about it. Do you think that the power of so-called Christian Zionist, or because of some kind of political maneuvering, is able to bring those Jews from, uh, from, from, uh, from Russia and also from Ethiopia. That's impossible. You see, brothers and sisters. And uh, the Jews, there was about one million Jews in, in, in Russia. They tried to apply to go back to their homeland. It was not possible. But to our surprise, one day, as if God said to Gorbachev, Give them up. Then Gorbachev had to give them up. That's the reason why in one night we saw the, we saw the breaking down of the Berlin Wall. And just in one second we saw the collapse of the Empire of Moscow. How do you explain all these things? Because the prophecy according to Isaiah 43 verse 2. Uh, five to six, wonderfully fulfilled. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring you descendants from the east and gather you from the west. So in the beginning, in the first 40 years, no problem for the Jewish people to come back from the west or from the east. But the problem is from the north. And this north is just north. It's far north. How do we know? Because it said, I will say to the north, get them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar. So my sons from afar. It's not just north, far north. My daughter from the ends of the earth. So it's not just south, far south. 
Now, brother, sister, how do you define the ends of the earth? Far south, according to our word. Now, you know, the Queen Sheba came from the end of the south. That means Ethiopia. So in this case, you go back to your, you go back to your home and take a map. Now, try to, try to pinpoint Jerusalem. Then you find that Ethiopia just, just, uh, just uh, right south of it. And then, so that's really, that's really the end of the earth. South end of the earth. So now, if God to say someone from the far north, so you can do the reverse. Then you will find that when you do that reverse, it will point you to Moscow. So what does that mean, brothers and sisters? This, this prophecy is being wonderfully fulfilled because God said, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. So more than one seven for seven really took many Ethiopian Jews back to their homeland. When the rabbi saw their brothers arriving at their land many rabbis wept they know that for sure messiah is coming back so brothers sisters this is the parable of victory not only the nation but also the land but more than that to our surprise in 1967 jerusalem came back to her bosom. For nearly 2,000 years, Jewish mother always teach their kids to pray next year in Jerusalem. This prayer, nearly 2,000 years, all of a sudden, it become reality. It's a very famous six days battle this really this really some this really break the record in the history of war brothers sisters remember it is not because superior power of israel yes in a sense there is some element in it but don't forget when god wants to do something no one can do can can resist it because god wants to bring all this prophecy being fulfilled then we know that, thank God, his word is sure. And we know that the Lord actually is really at the doors. Of course, today if you visit Temple Mount, when you see the mocks there, you ask one question. Is it possible? According to word, according to Malachi, according to many other revelations, many other places, is it possible when before the Lord's return, the temple of God will build on the same spot? Again, I say, brothers and sisters, before the rebirth of the nation of Israel, many people say it's impossible. Before Jerusalem came back to its, her bosom, Everybody say, impossible. Think about it. Probably you can have political maneuvering. 
Probably because many effort through most powerful Christians in British Empire, something may happen. But brother, sister, remember, you can only see the rebirth of nation of Israel. But how about the land? How about the homecoming? How about the city of Jerusalem? How about if you believe the word of God? And you know that one day, it will be to our surprise. And uh, according, to the, according to Malachi, the Messiah, our beloved Lord, all of a sudden will enter his temple. So brothers and sisters, thank the Lord. When you study this prophecy, especially think about it, this prophecy is being given by our master himself. But that's not all. Because you only read Matthew. Now, Gospel of Matthew, the main, or the main audience, they're mainly addressed to the Jews. Mainly addressed, no, they, they know the Bible. That's why I talk about the Son of Man. That's why I talk about fig tree. But now, if we turn to another portion of the Bible, just the same, same thing. The law uttered the same thing. But now the emphasis in Gospel of Luke is a little bit more. And this is especially good for understanding. So let's turn to Luke chapter 21. Verse 29. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already built budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Now, if you read Gospel of Matthew, only victory. So in your mind, only the Jews. In your mind, only the nation of Israel. In your mind, only the land of Israel. In your mind, only the city of Israel. In your mind, it's only the city of Temple of Israel. These are all wonderful, brothers and sisters. But remember, our law is always very balanced. The law always maintains his equilibrium. Now, our human nature is always try to incline something, try to play the favoritism. Brothers and sisters, if nation of Israel, after 2,000 years, should be reborn, do you think that now God only are in favor of his own people, his select, his cho chosen people? So that's the argument of some people who do not believe the prophecy. Remember, liberal, liberal people, they don't believe it. And some other people, they try to minimize it. But brothers and sisters, today, the battle or spiritual battle or spiritual warfare over the Lord's second coming actually is the battle for the word of God. 
Remember, brother, sister, the prophecy given in the Bible is either stand or fall with the word of God. So, my brother, sister, remember, that's why the enemy is always very, very subtle. They always say, look, because these Christians, they are for the restoration of Jews. And because of that, now, then they really make that things happen. And finally, you have this happen. Now, I already mentioned, this only can be a miracle. But don't forget, if you come to the chapter 21 of Luke, remember, our Lord not only talk about fig tree, our Lord also talk about all the trees. When they are already budding, you see then for yourself that the summer is no near. But now for the Gentile, now for, for, for the Gentile, now instead of say using the word son of man, the look, you the kingdom of God. Of course, when our Lord addressed this word, definitely he talked about both. He talked about the son of man, he talked about the kingdom of God. But now for the audience as Gentiles, for the Gentile audience, now the rec 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 record of Luke, eh, the kingdom of God is near. And then for the audience, for the people who read book uh, Gospel of Matthew, now remember there, the Son of Man is at the door. Now the same thing, the imminent appearing of our Lord. So brothers, sisters, now what is the meaning? We understand that when the fig tree is budding, we know that summer is near. Now, if this is true, then why all the trees? If the fig tree is budding, means the rebirth of nation of Israel. So, then all the tree simply means what? If when they are budding, what does that mean? It means some ancient nations recorded in the Bible will rise again. Yes, according to history, they already went into history. But one day, they will come back again. Why? When you talk about the first coming of the Lord, and when you read the second coming of the Lord, you'll find there are some principles, spiritual principles, govern these two comings. And uh, before the coming, first coming of the Lord, you'll find controversy of Zion there. So you find not only Israel, you also find Babylonian Empire, then Persian Empire, then Greek Empire, then Roman now, brothers, when they are in conflict, how do you explain the whole thing? Oh, you say that's political empire. You have a political identity called Babylonian Empire, then Persian Empire. So you study history, you all talk, you talk about political history. But no, brothers, sisters, remember here behind it, there is a very important spiritual principle. According to Isaiah, there is one phrase called controversy 
of Zion. There's some spiritual principle behind it. That's why, brothers and sisters, not only Israel. You also find, of course, God has chosen Israel. Then Jesus, the Messiah, will be born in Bethlehem. He should be the descendant. He should be belong to the tribe of Judah. Thank God for that. That's why you have the chosen people. You have the nation of Israel. You have, a, you have a race of Israel being separated. They, the Lord kept them so pure that when Messiah has come, when, when, Jesus, when Christ is born, then immediately you know that which tribe he belonged to. Then you know that he is the Messiah. So, brothers and sisters, do you see that? Our mind, we are, we, you see, some people said we are all political animals. You know, we are all political creatures. You see? So, that's our problem. When we read history, we always read from that point of view. But remember, if God is working, is moving in history, we should know how to interpret history according, what, according to how the Word of God interpreted it. So, brothers and sisters, that's happened in the past. But before the Lord's return, just like before the first coming of our Lord, now before the second coming of the Lord, the nation of Israel has to be reborn. But then, we Chinese have a saying. It takes two hands clapping and make noise. If you only one hand, no noise at all. Today, when you read your newspaper, why in, in the headline you find all the turmoil, all the problems in the Middle East? Because lots of noises. Think about it. If 1948, there's only rebirth of the nation of Israel and nothing else. Brothers, sisters, nothing happened. But no, it's impossible. When you have Zion, you definitely have controversy of Zion. So that's explained what happened today. That's why we hear so many noises in the Middle East. So, brothers and sisters, remember, this is, that's why we need to read Luke chapter 21 from different angle. Actually, same thing. But now, probably you see a little bit more. Now, Gospel Luke was written by Luke, who was a physician, and only Greek writer among the, 20, among the 27 books of New Testament. And his Greek was very beautiful. And uh, remember, he, his, his view is always global view. So that's why in Matthew, the Lord has sent, we read, the Lord has sent out 12 disciples. Because there are 12 tribes in Israel. But then, when in this gospel of Luke, the Lord sent out 70 disciples. Because if you read Genesis 10, there were 70, 70 nations which really represent the whole world. In order for the gospel to preach to the world, the Lord not only sent 12 disciples, also 7 disciples. So you can see the emphasis in this gospel, in this gospel. So when you read Matthew 24, the fig tree, wonderful parable of fig tree. 
But now when you come to this, when you come to uh, chapter 21, then this parable of fig tree and all the trees. So now we ask one question. If fig tree represents nation of Israel, is there any other tree recorded in the Bible? Just like a fig tree. But remember, not only fig tree, and that fig tree has been cursed, has been dried up from the roots. That is impossible. Only waiting for the miracle to happen, then one day it will put forth leaf again. Now that's fig tree. So tell me, are you able to go back to the Bible and search your Bible and then try to find a tree? It was a great tree, huge tree. But then, just like being cursed by the Lord. And then, it, it, some, something left there. And then, after a period of time, and that tree will blossom again. That tree will bud again. So, brothers and sisters, read your Bible. And at least, I don't know you, but at least I can find one tree. Now, you don't have to read your Bible because of our time. I just read it for you. If you go to book of Daniel, chapter 4. Now, this time I have to simplify for you. This is not Bible study. We will never go to the detail. I just, I just uh, touch upon it. So if you read Daniel, chapter 4, there is a tree. Let me read it to you. There were the visions on my head. My head is head of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, the, the king of uh, Babylonian Empire. Why on my bed? He said, I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Now, verse 13. I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. That tree had been chopped down. Fall. You see that? Just like the fig tree has been cursed, dry up from the roots. And more than that, verse 15, Nevertheless, Leave the stem and roots in the earth. And so on and so forth. Now how long this will take? According to verse 16. Unless seven times pass over him. Now, here comes the interpretation of Daniel. That tree applied to Nebuchadnezzar. But interestingly enough, when you study the book of Daniel, you have to understand prophetic language. Daniel said, you are the golden head. It referred to Nebuchadnezzar, also referred to the empire, uh, Babylonia empire. So here you find a tree represent Nebuchadnezzar and his empire. So then how that prophecy was fulfilled? Double fulfillment here. 
The third, it has been wonderful filled in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, one day he was when he was when he was uh, uh, when he was on, uh, when he was in the palace of Babylon. When he saw that great Babylon, he can see the hanging god. He can see the wonderful city at that time. And then all of a sudden, he got mad. All of a sudden, he lost his mind. And only after seven times. He came back to his senses. Now we know that after two thousand six hundred, two thousand two thousand five hundred twenty days, seven times, then he came back to his own senses. Now that's only part. That's only one of the fulfillment. Now, because this tree also represents that, according to all, this tree also represents the nation. Some nation will one day will be revived. So, brothers sisters, if you apply to the empire of uh, Rome, uh, Babylonian Empire, you know very well. Five hundred thirty-nine before Christ, it is finished. This whole empire enter enter into history. Why? Because that tree had been chopped down, not only chopped down and uh, and and also cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Now, brothers and sisters, that's the first encounter of Babylonian power and Persian power. That's happened. Five. That's happened. Five hundred thirty-nine B.C. And because of that, this tree had been chopped down. But remember, according to our Lord, never let us leave the stem and roots in the earth. After seven times, you see that tree will come back again. Very, very interesting. If you today, if you study. Something about Iraq, it reminds you of ancient Babylon. If you study Iran, it reminds you of ancient Persia. Now, first encounter between the these two identities, these two parties. The first one is 539 before Christ. Then, when they have a second encounter. They have fought eight millions less years. We all know the story. But after that eight years, something happened. We all have witnessed something happen. Now, brothers and sisters, think about it. After two Persian Gulf War, you can help but think, because when you study Isaiah. Thirteen, it mentioned Babylon. You know that not not Babylon in history. You know that that's Babylon at the end time. When you study eighteen chapters of Revelation, you know that that's not Babylon in history. Or either you spiritualize it, like many Bible scholars, or you have you have to confess that you cannot do violence to the text there. It must be literal. So if this is true. That means if you have the Babylon in the end days, that means one day, other tree, 
the tree other than fig tree will be reborn again. That Babylonian power will rise up again. Brothers, sisters, two Persian Gulf War just give us only a little glimpse. If you say, you already say, oh, we have experienced two Persian Gulf Wars. Now, brothers, this is only the beginning. Because now we are able to know a little bit how the all other trees were but. You see, brothers and sisters, but now this is only the beginning. Why? Because in the first, because you see, for the Lord's first coming, you find that Israel, the first encounter with Babylon. But now, brother, sister, after, now, when we come to the second coming, to our surprise, brother, sisters, and you find that within our own eyes, we did see this prophecy wonderfully, wonderfully fulfilled. Well, I have no time to go through the details. If you go to Isaiah 13, if you go to any other, and, and you definitely know that now, according to the word of God, this is very true. You know, especially upon many Bible scholars try to spiritualize Babylon in book of Revelation. Now, at least two people I know who are very brave. One is a Chinese. His name is Jia Yuming. The other one is, uh, is G.H. Lang. They were very brave even when anything happened. Ne nothing happened. Now, brothers, nothing. When you don't, when you, everybody thinks that's impossible. For Babylon will be revived again. It's impossible. So you have to spiritualize it. But now, brother, sister, we know that G.H. Lamb was right. And now we know that it is true, according to the word of God, not only the fig tree and all the trees. Now, let me give you the fact, brothers. I'm not explaining. I know that the danger, if you try to spiritualize certain things, but I just mentioned the fact. And uh, I think you never will argue with me about the facts. So, so let me just uh, say one thing. You do your own calculation, all right? I think it's correct. Try to find out the duration, the years between the first encounter between Babylon and uh, Persia and the second one. Now, second one is around 1982. If you do the calculation, it is just roughly 2,520 years. Now, brother, I only state the fact. All right? I don't go to the interpretation. I, ne uh, I never... I, so, uh, I, that's only the fact. Another fact is this. According to, not only according to Isaac Newton, I think all Bible scholars all agree they are double returns of the Jews. One happened 336 before Christ. The another, another, I think, another event happened 1948. Do the calculation. How many years between these two years? Roughly 2,000 520 years. But the units are different. For the Babylon, it is solid years. 2,520 solid years. But now, brothers, is for the, for, for, for the uh, double coming, double return of the Jews, it is 2,520 
prophetic years. One prophetic year is equal to 360 days. So, brothers and sisters, if you do the calculation, you can, you can see that roughly half a century. So now you have the rebirth of nation of Israel in the middle of the 20th century. And then when you come to nearly the end of 19th century, you have, you have the rising of Babylonian power through Iraq, through what happened today, brothers and sisters. But again, I say, this is, only the, this is only a small scale. You haven't seen the whole thing yet. After the Second War, after the Second World War, German was defeated. Japan was defeated. So from that time on, they don't have to spend money to develop their weapons. They concentrate their money just to uh, devote it to industry, economy, growth, and everything. Now everybody knows that. Even these two countries were defeated. Everybody knows that they become the economic superpower. Many Chinese are not easy to drive a Japanese car. They have to. There's no way out. You have to swallow, you have to swallow, swallow your national pride in this country to buy a Japanese car. But that's very true, brothers and sisters. Think about it. Japan and Germany has no natural resource. But think about Iraq today. After being defeated, you don't have to develop, you don't have to, to, to build many, many palaces anymore. And then if you concentrate, try to develop and use the natural resource, use the, use the, 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 the gasoline resource, think about it. No wonder when you come to the 18th chapter of Revelation, you see that great city of Babylon. Oh, brothers, sisters. If you really want to know how that will happen, how can you imagine the great Babylon? You don't have to wait today. You just buy a ticket, fly to Dubai. If you fly to Dubai and stay in the six-star hotel, then you will give you a little bit of glimpse of what happened one day. The Babylon will be described just like described in the Revelation chapter 18. So, brothers and sisters, again I said, only when we come to the end time, you will see its full flesh. So, how we can see the whole picture? When you read Revelation chapter 13, there is a beast come out from the great sea. Now, you all know that that represents Antichrist and his empire. Now, brothers and sisters, that when that sea, when that beast arise, rise from the great sea, and you find that beast with ten horns, it looked familiar. That's exactly the picture of fourth beast described in, uh, in the Daniel chapter, nine, chapter 7. So it refers to Roman Empire. So if this is true, if this uh, if this beast come out from the great sea again, what does that mean? That means the revival of Roman Empire. 
Now, brother, sister, we begin to see a little bit. Now, when you go to Europe, you find they use the same currency. If you ask me, now before that, when in Europe they do the same, two thousand years ago. So, brothers and sisters, it is very true. According to the word of God, according to the word of our Lord, not only fig tree, also the other tree. So, brothers and sisters, because why? Because this is a controversy of Zion. Then you find all oh, this is not just a political, brother sister, appearance something political, but you know very well there is an issue there. If you try to explain that in a spiritual way, the explanation is Isaiah. That's that the book of Isaiah, the controversy of Isaiah. So, brother sister, now if you will go on, I think. We take lots of time, so I, I don't mean to go on. So let me just try to uh, try to uh, uh, read just two verses for you. That's enough. Before, for example, if you read Revelation chapter thirteen, verse one. Then I stood on the stand of sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And uh, now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like feet of bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Remember, this is the continuation of the vision given in book of Daniel. Because there we, were, we have four, four beasts. Lion represents Babylonian empire. Then bear represent Persian Empire. Then leopard, Greek Empire. Then the unknown, uh, uh, unknown beast represent the Roman Empire. But now, here you find the four, here you find a beast with ten horns. It reminds you of fourth beast. It reminds you of Roman Empire. But remember, brother, sister, when all the trees blood budding, what happened? In that empire, you also see the shadow of Babylonian empire. Why? Because his mouth, like the mouth of a liar. You also see the shadow of Greek empire, because I saw was like a leopard. And not, not only that, his feet were like the feet of bear. You also see the Persian, shadow of Persian empire. And more than that, if you come to chapter nine, chapter seven of Book of Daniel, you count how many heads there. Now, iron, no, lion, one head, bear, one head, leopard, four heads, and then uh, unknown beast, one head. Simple mathematics, seven heads. So what does that mean? One day, when Antichrist and his empire were born, will be born, then what happened? You find that empire will embrace all the features of all the tree recorded in the Bible. These are all ancient nations. So, brothers and sisters, now I think it's very clear from the word of God. One day, brother and sister, you know that the Antichrist and his empire will appear on this earth. And then you find 
not only he tried to unify the whole world un politically, also unify the whole universe, whole whole uh, whole globe is almost like a global village, and much more that. Then they, they will be united all the religions. Now I don't want to go to detail, but according to the prophecy given by the greatest prophet, our Lord, not only fig tree, but also the all the trees. Now I just mentioned one current event. Actually, it's not too current. I just an illustration for you to understand a little bit. You know, not many long ago, Israel and Hezbollah has gone through a war. According to the record of in the past, now everything should be solved within one week. But you know very well, this, this war has prolonged for quite some time. Now, we all know that story. Today, we also know the story of Hamas. We all know that. But, brothers and sisters, this reminds you of chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. Why Nebuchadnezzar is the golden hat? He cannot be the founding father of empire of Babylonian Empire. Babylonian Empire has a long history before Nebuchadnezzar. But when you come to chapter 7, you got a solution. Because it was Nebuchadnezzar who bring the Babylonian power to Mediterranean Sea. And also Cyrus, the first one who brought uh, uh, the, the Persian uh, influence to the Mediterranean Sea. So that's the meaning how those beasts arise from the great sea. So if this is true, Today, we can see a little bit, just a glimpse of it, brothers and sisters. If behind Hezbollah, if behind Hamas, something to do with Iran. Now, brothers and sisters, does that, do you think that that means somehow that kind of influence not just remain in the Middle East, now somehow try to arrive at the Mediterranean Sea? Now, brothers and sisters, now you can understand. This is only the beginning. If you wait and see, hopefully we don't want to wait. Hopefully before that, we'll be caught up. Before that, we will be stolen away. Before that, we'll be raptured. We are waiting for Christ. We, are the, we do not mean to be waiting for Antichrist. So, brothers and sisters, that's why this is our glorious hope. This is our blessed hope. You still do your work. You're still grinding your meal. You're still working in your field. You're probably still sleeping in your bed. We just live as usual. Sometimes we think the best way probably when the Lord's come, we are praying. Or when the Lord comes, someone is standing on the pulpit. Then he will be raptured. Now that's all our wonderful dream. You know, but brother, sister, think about it. We still live a very usual life. Thank the Lord, but we're really waiting for the Lord's return. So may the Lord really, really stir our hearts. We know that he can come back very, very soon. Now, 
I would like to come to a very important part of my message. We have two comings of our Lord. First coming, second coming. And you find many prophecies surrounding the first coming. And many prophecies related to the second coming. So that will explain, that will tell you everything about 1800 prophecies. Then there is some law to govern this, these prophecies. Now, have you noticed that? In the Lord's first coming. Now, if you read your Bible, now the first promise given by God after man's fall is the promise of women's seed. So that really gave Eve lots of hope. He wanted to know that one day the seed of woman definitely should arrive. Then we have a hope. Then we will have the redemption. That's why he gave the name Cain as Cain. But finally, he was so, she was so disappointed. Then the history went on, on and on. And then you have the, uh, you have the, uh, you have the prophecy of Balaam. And you also have a prophecy given by Joe Jacob. Now, all refer to one, the coming of Messiah, coming of the anointed one. So, also refer to the Savior of mankind, also to the, the seed of woman. So, you can see that in history, now people are waiting for the Savior, for the Messiah to come. Then everything will be alright. Now, the question is this. When the coming of Messiah will be? When he will come? Brothers, sisters, no one can answer that question. Until one day when we study book of Daniel. When you come to Daniel chapter 9. Now according to Daniel chapter 9. And uh, 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 according to Daniel chapter 9. And, and then, you, and then you, you see that there, there we read 77s. Now, sevens means seven years, prophetic years. So, 77 means, means 2,520 prophetic years about the God's program. He has a program. But starting from the command to rebuild city of Jerusalem, then to the end of the world, now in cons concerning with his people and his city, there's a program called the program of 70 times 77. Now, some translation 70 weeks. Now, that's misleading. So, 77. But something very interesting. In this prophecy, we are told that it's possible to find out when the, the Messiah should come. So, according to uh, Daniel... From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. That's the starting point. That's the reference point in time. Until Messiah the Prince, especially uh, his being cut off. The Bible says Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. So that being cut off means that Jesus, because Messiah, died on the cross. So the year 
of going forth of the command to restore the building of Jerusalem. That's the reference point. That year we know. But then, then if you calculate from there all the way to the year of crucifixion, how many years, according to the word of God, is 69 times 7, or 483 perfected years. Now, we don't go to detail. It's 100% correct. I checked very carefully. Some people said, some people even doubt the calculation of uh, Sir Anderson because they said it's a wonderful calculation, but unfortunately, he set the date, he set the year of our Lord's crucifixion at 32 AD. Now, today, the general consent that all the Bibles agree that should be 30 AD. Now, if there are such a difference, then definitely his calculation no longer valid anymore. But brother, sister, I, did a, I do the calculation again and again and again. Bible never talk about it from which day to which day. Only talk about from that year to that year. I can guarantee you, brother, sister, if you, do, if you do not get the answer, you come to me. I will give you the detail. But I don't want to bother all the people here. I know you're afraid of number. So, yes, so I don't want to talk about it. But brother, sister, one thing for sure. After 483 perfect years, Jesus died for us on the cross. So through this, you know that the first coming of the Lord is near. Why is it near? Because it's not from the year of building Jerusalem to the birth of Jesus, no. So even we know that his year of crucifixion, we still do not know when his, the year of his birth. So we, on, of that day and that hour, no one knows. That's the principle. Do you see that? So you only know when he died, you do not know when he was born. In other words, you do not know that when he's first coming. But one thing we know, after the year of Rebuilding Jerusalem. One thing you know, now you can count. Now you know about 483. When you can count, you mean that you can do the countdown. What does that mean? That means the coming of Messiah is at the doors. In other words, because of that, now we know that somehow before that, oh, it's long waiting. Yes, it's a promise. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. But when? Nobody knows. But only when you come to, now only when you come to, uh, uh, only when you come to, uh, to the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. Now that's reference point. Now you can say, he's coming soon. Even you do not know the exact time, the exact hour, but approximately coming. So brothers, this is very important. Do you know that there were many wonderful remnants in the Old Testament time? They were waiting for the first coming of our Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, this is very important for the first coming. The second coming, the same thing. How do you know that the Lord is at the doors? Only after the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Do you see that? Rebuild of the city of Jerusalem. Rebuild, rebirth of the nation of Israel. Now, brother, sister, when you see that, now you know it is counting down. You know that the number, the year, the days can be numbered any moment. You should watch and pray.
So, brothers, sisters, if you study Bible carefully, you know that. You know, when you study all these prophecies, you know that there's some principle, spiritual principle, governing it. So now we ask why? What is the meaning? Why? Why now we know that he's coming very soon? Either the first time or second time. Let's talk about first time. When the city of Jerusalem being rebuilt, what does that mean? It means that once upon a time, people of Israel were captured to Babylon. After 70 years, they came back. Now you remember, when they were scattered, when they were captured to Babylon, many millions. But after 70 years, now the life in Babylon was such that if you know what happened at that time, there is no reason, there is no motive for the people of Israel to come back to their empty city, to come back to their own land. We know that before their capture, people of Israel were the best farmer in the world. But after being captured, they became the best merchant of the world. They learned those wonderful techniques from Babylon. From there, they went to New York. They went to London. They went to everywhere. That's how they scattered. And they built, even they have been, even they, uh, even they have been scattered. But somehow they built an invisible empire. We all see that. Now, being captured is good thing or bad thing. Talk about prosperity. Yes. Now, because of that captivity, it created a golden opportunity for these people of God to gain the whole world. And whole world belonged to them. I was told that if you divide this wealth uh, in three parts, probably one part belonged to the Jews today. Now, my brothers and sisters, that's the story. Who will come back to Jerusalem? After 70 years, of course, some young people who were captured, probably around 90. Now, for them, there's some reason for them to come back. But think about Ezra. Think about Nehemiah. They belong to his second and third generation. They never saw Jerusalem, brothers and sisters, because you never see it. Now, emotionally speaking, as if nothing to do with Jerusalem. Now, what stirred their heart? They would like to come back to Jerusalem. So, brothers and sisters, unless they were stirred by the Spirit of God, these people are foolish people. They give up the golden opportunity. They say goodbye to the prosperous world. They came back to Jerusalem. They came back to their homeland. And when they came back to their city, it's an empty city. But brothers and sisters, no matter how difficult it is, they have to live in the land without their knowing. They came back for one purpose. Brothers and sisters, think about it. If Jesus, Jesus is our Savior, according to the word, he ought to be born in Bethlehem. 
Think about it. And also he has to enter into the temple. That's prophecy. That's the prophetic word of God. That's what happened. Then you know that he's our Messiah. He's our Savior. Yes. But suppose these people, they stay in Babylon. Especially priests. Why they go back to, 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 to the land? If you go back to the land, there's no inheritance, nothing. There's no portion belong to you. But brother, sister, no. So that's why only a handful, 50,000 people, they came back to Jerusalem. Brothers, sisters, probably for some reason, they were stirred by the word of God. They love the word of God. They love their homeland and so on and so forth. But behind it, God is enthroned. Suppose they don't come back to Israel. What happened? How Jesus should be born in Bethlehem. How Jesus should enter into the temple if the temple is not there. How this prophecy should be fulfilled. Remember, brothers, God is working in history. God has a program from the eternity. He will work to his purpose, work finally to realize purpose. Think about it. Suppose these people all embrace Babylon. They all embrace the wonderful world. What will happen? Nothing will happen. But thank God, may, may probably are not knowing, they came back for the coming of Messiah. They come back for the birth of their Savior. And not only that, now a remnant was prepared as, as forming a welcoming party to welcome their Messiah. That's why when our Lord Enter into his temple. He met two people. Simeon and Anna. Welcome him. So brother, sister. Now you understand. Why? After rebuilding of Jerusalem. As if. Everything can be hastened. As if. Now you can see. Now you can see. Now he's coming soon. Why? Because now. A remnant, a group of people prepare to welcome him. So this the way, this remnant hasten the coming of their Messiah. In the same way, exactly the same way, brother, sisters. Now, when we come to the when we come to the second coming, of course there are much to say about the earthly people of God. But of course, after the first coming, especially after his ascension, Holy Spirit come down, then we were baptized into one body. So the head and jo is joined, uh, the body is joined to the head. Now, brothers and sisters, now you know that that's something to do with the eternal will of God. Not only you have earthly people, you also have heavenly people. How we are going to hasten the coming of our Lord. Second coming of our Lord. The same principle. The Lord must wait and wait, wait. In the, through 2,000 years. The Lord know how to work his work. Sometimes as if he encounters some hindrance. Some failure on our part. But he was patiently waiting. 
is he's the one when 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 something when a clay when a vessel is broken he do it again out of his patience and uh, brothers when the church went through 2000 years especially entering into the dark age now brothers says as if everything's gone as if the god's eternal purpose can never be realized again but thank god in the 16th century we see the dawn we see the light and then we see through martin luther through john calvin through zwingli now you see the wonderful recovery work has been brought and somehow we all came back to jerusalem by the grace of the lord so here we have the church history here we see that somehow the lord is bring us back to bring us back to to, to Jerusalem. Now, when we study church history, you will see something very interesting. There are two returns of the Jews. And also, there are two recoveries in the church history. Martin Luther and Calvin really bring people back from Babylon. Do you see? We, we see that's important recovery. That's very important recovery. But only when we wait until 19th century, then you discover that another recovery brings all the scattered saints into one. Because now we see much more the vision of the body of Christ. Just like the first return, Jewish first return is return from Babylon. Now, second return, because they were scattered, now they will come back to Jerusalem. So, brothers and sisters, no matter in what way you see what happened with the church, but one thing is for sure, when you really see the spiritual building, Jerusalem is being built. When you really see some overcomers, they really come back. They really all come back. Now you know that, brothers and sisters, the law is at the doors. Now, especially in 19th century, I like just to mention a few things here. Something happened in Scotland and something happened in Ireland. Now, that's very important. Then you can see that's exactly what is the law is doing. Especially in 1822, you find some young, young, young believers, young Christians in Scotland. Somehow the Lord opened their eyes. They were well trained in displacement theology. They were well trained in reform theology. So in their mind, you see, when they come to the word of God, their mind was set. But somehow these young people still, when they they still in their university, University of Edinburgh, now they were under a wonderful master, Thomas Chalmer, and these people loved the Lord. But the Lord really opened their eye to see that the Lord is come back soon. Somehow the truth of imminent appearing of Christ revealed to them. Just like the justification by faith being revealed to Martin Luther and these people wonderfully so because of that they really live their life they are really waiting for the Lord's return for example a famous one, among them famous one is the Bonas brothers 
One, Andrew Bonar, another one, Horatius Bonar. Now, I quote uh, one phrase from Andrew Bonar. I wake and I hear the birds twittering, twittering, twittering. And I expect to hear the trumpet break in upon their song. Now, that's, they, that's you, you see how they wait for the Lord's return. And another famous, another saint only lived 29 years, Robert McChain. He was a poet, preacher, and a saint. And he wrote to his brother. He said, the time is short, eternity is near. Yea, the coming of Christ, the second time is at hand. Make sure of being one with the Lord Jesus, that you may be glad when you see him. Now, uh, at the foot of his bed, there was a word of text. Until the daybreak and the shadows flee away. He only lived 29 years. He lived so saintly, so humbly. The law had to take him early. And uh, Horace Bonar. Now, this is encouragement to the saint. Living, waiting for your Lord. He that loves Christ will long to see him. And it will not be content with the interviews which faith gives. The lover seeks the absent Lord one, absent loved one, the wife, the husband, the child, the mother. So do you, your Lord. It is not enough that you can communicate with him daily by the epistles which faith brings and carries. You must see him face to face. Otherwise, there is a blank in your life, a void in your existence. A cloud over your love, a faltering in your soul. The saved one, the saved one desired to meet his Savior and feel that his joy must be imperfect till then. It is the mark of a disciple that he waits for the Son of God from heaven. And let me quote another, another, another saying. He said, Let our eye like his. Be fixed on that coming gladness. That sunrise of eternity for which the church is waiting and creation groans. That hope will cheer, will nerve, will liberate, will heal, will animate, will purify, will do miracles for us. As yet, the joy has not arrived. But the promise of its possessions an assurance that when it does arrive, it will be great enough and long enough to make up for all trial and all delay are sufficient to keep us ever looking, waiting, watching. Resurrection is coming with all its light and joy. And then comes the world's second dawn. And the joys long at churches, long expected day spring. The cessation of creation grows. The time of restitution of all things. The new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Brothers and sisters, now we understand why. After this remnants prepare, or so-called overcomers being prepared, then somehow as if that they can be shortened.
as if that day can be hastened. That's the way how we watch and wait for his coming back. So may the Lord really draw our heart to him. And we know that he's really come back very soon. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we really commit this word to your hand. If you see fit, use this word. Use this word to touch every, every heart of us. That we may be like Shulamite. We will say, make hasten, beloved. We want to see you, and we want to see you back as soon as possible. So, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful conference. May your word, especially the sure word of prophecy, sink deeply into our heart. We thank you, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray.